right. I was I use a dildo for a toothbrush, and uh, that's what I do. Yep. What colors the What colors the dildo? Baby blue uh, um, accents or, or like trim around, uh, you know, white. It's really okay. I, I say, it's really a clit tickler. Is what it is. You know, you, so you could can't use really... the back, the heel of it as 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 a dildo because it's got the girth, but it comes up and it's it's bristly and and uh, thin and narrow necked. It's too too narrow necked for an actual insert inside a vagina and get doing. Well, he could work with the G spot, I suppose. I don't know. It's quite versatile. Br- I'm surprised women don't naturally use electric toothbrushes and dildos like undercover if they don't want to get caught with like a, a real. You know, French tickler or whatever it is, whatever they call them. So I don't think a, I don't think a brush on your lady parts would feel very good. Little, little you use the back. You use the back of it. Use the back of it. Yeah. Well, then it See? also goes in your mouth. So I don't know. Well, you don't. You you have one electric toothbrush for brushing your teeth, and then the other one is for for pleasuring your lady parts. That's that's what I would do if I were a girl. And I wanted one. What if you mix piece of what cake? What if you mix huh? them up? What if you mix them up? Well, you make sure they they're different colors or whatever, different types. That's what I do. See? Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Totally... I... This one's actually it, it's kind of blocky on the other end. I don't know if you would want to insert it in your vagina, the block end, but you could you totally could if you wanted. I don't know what it feels like to have a vagina, and I don't want to know. So. All right. What's that beeping? They're pouring. No, no, no. They're pouring. Sorry about that. They're pouring. Uh, you know, there's like construction, heavy construction going on below. In the unit below. Oh yeah. The yeah, rental, yeah. the rental space, uh, the vacation rental space. So uh, they've been hammering, knocking and doing a complete renovation remodel of the unit downstairs for the past three, four months, I think. I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i off on that, but it's been a lot. And um, the city, when they found out they were uh, doing new construction, the city's making them put in a sidewalk around the uh, – around the property we're on a corner lot and it's just grass all the way to the curb and then a street and so the city's finally making them put in a, a sidewalk at their expense too the owner's expense and uh, Ooh. that's what they're doing so they're putting it in and it's and it's and it circles all the way around the prop the property so it's a lot of cement and the fuckers have been working on it for like two weeks two and a half weeks and it's like all they did was break up the amount, the the width around the property needed, and you know they they broke it up the ground and then they d- dug it up and they threw it in the thing. And it's like after like four days, it's like this thing's ready to pour. And they waited like two weeks before they actually got the cement. Now they're today is the day they got the cement truck, and that's what you're hearing beeping. It's like the reverse of a big truck mm-hmm. pouring the. I don't know. Maybe it's concrete, not cement. It's concrete, isn't it, for sidewalk? Uh, yeah, same same thing. 
they're the same thing, cement and concrete. There's no difference. Yeah. I believe so. Concrete, cement, I think it's another word for it. Yeah, boy. Concrete's the shit yeah. that the ancient Romans used. Cement is like glossier, smoother. It's like what you find in your garage garage ground. You pour in your garage. There's, uh, maybe I'm nuts. I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm nuts. I'm, I'm not going to. Maybe I'm nuts. Um, <laughs> cement, yes, I think, is an ingredient of concrete. I'm, I'm by no means a, a fucking specialist and, and that kind of a thing. But yeah, I, I, when I think of cement or concrete, I usually think of the same thing. It's like the, that's like what foundations and sidewalks and stuff are made out of is that hard concrete. Whereas asphalt is the, you know, the darker kind of black looking stuff that most roadways yeah. are paved with. And it's a little bit softer. They say, you know, for runners, it's bad to, bad for your joints to run on concrete all the time. Cause it's so, it's so hard on, you know, hard, such a harder surface. Bounce your skull off the cement, right? Yeah. That's what my uh, yeah. that's what my grandpa said. You don't want to get in fights because you never know if you come across an egghead. You know, you pop them and you drop them. They, they bounce their head off the cement and off the conk. He call it cement, not cement. He goes cement. Crack its head open. Crack its head open like an egg. And uh, now you're going to prison, little boy. You're going to prison oh, yeah. for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah. Rest of your pecker sucking life. That'd be fucking horrible. And you know what? None of us boys listened. We all still got in street fights. So that goes to show. Until somebody broke somebody's skull. And now we've stopped. So that's basically, you had to do it and see it before um, you learned your lesson. You always hear it never works. If I were to disclose that, one of us would be going to prison. One of my brother, one, me or my brothers would be going to prison right now. Can't publicly talk about that, you prick. You joking? Are you joking? Can't talk about that. <sighs> anyway, so um, potentially, I don't know. I don't know. I I know what I saw, but I don't know what I saw. Let me just put it that way. How about that? But uh, yeah, moving forward. Uh, really yeah, really that's that's sitch. a bad. That is a bad situation to get in, dude. And I'm I'm glad I've never I've cracked my skull open. Never, you know, I cracked my own skull open basically by being an idiot. But uh, I've never, uh, yeah. Who carried you? Or, yeah, yeah, it was. You told me about that, Nick, Nick Doran. He carried yeah, yeah, you in his arms like a yeah, big, Nick, Nick Doran handsome him like a little, hero. Yeah, like a little baby, like a little baby that woke up. Where am I going? I don't. Want, it's my cat's oh. birthday today. Um. What was I going to say with that? Yeah, we went to high school with a couple people, and I won't say any names, but they did some. Uh, they got involved with some shit like that. It just, you know, you get in a fight, and it just, it just goes too far, mm-hmm. dude. That's the, that's part of the problem with street fights. Because in some, there's some days, a lot of days. You're talking after, about uh, the BBC, right? You're talking about the BBC, by the way, right? <laughs> yeah. The big, the big black but, cock uh, crew. Yeah. That's what they there's actually though, they're, 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 the bad boy click. It was the bad boy click is what they called themselves. And that was before the pornography acronyms were in any of our heads in high school. Like, I don't think porn, it was before you were, you could stream porn to your cell phone and get like, mm-hmm. like all the time. So it hadn't, internet porn was definitely going around, but it hadn't blown up to where it was. That took a few years after high school before we were all beaten off to it off our cell phones. And um, 
and then you start seeing the acronyms for pornography, you know, FFM, uh, uh, BT, or BBW, BBC. Uh, what else is there? Help me out. What are their acronyms? DP. DP. Oh, my favorite. Yes, DP. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> BJ. No, everybody used BJ back then. RJ. What? RJ. RJ. <laughs> ZJ. What's his VJ? You have to ask. You can't afford it. <laughs> one dollar to to look at it. One dollar. One dollar fifty cents to watch me. Uh, to to watch me look at or to look at me while I touch it. Or, or is it or two dollars to touch it while I touch my toes? One dollar to to look at me while I touch it. That's just funny. Oh my gosh. That's my favorite of the Broken Lizards is that fucking beer fest. But we digressed back to in high school. Some guys took the street fighting too too far. They got out of hand. Cool. I interrupted yeah, you. And we were on a roll. Yeah, yeah. You, you always do. That's why I never fucking remember my train of thought. You son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. You're just like my mother. No. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, no, I I... I personally think, especially after the year we've had, there's times where I just have this, you know, my own theory of should we go back to where we punch each other in the face of just of, you know, I think there's some like a healthy standpoint behind that of where you're out of the bar and like, you're, yeah, you're just like super mouthy and like, and I think with that being said, I think there's times that I need to be punched in the face or I've definitely needed to be punched in the face or it would have straightened me out pretty quick. And the, yeah. yeah. The problem with that is, is when people go too far and you end up beating somebody, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. And then you look down, they're fucking dead. And now you're going to prison. So that's where, yeah. Yeah. You go too far. You have man. to draw the line. Well, I think in the city of Seattle, it's, Mutual combat, mutually agreed combat is okay. In Seattle? It's legal. Like they and it's funny each for other a city like... Because it's... What do you mean? What? What'd you say? They hand job each other? Is that what they're calling mutual agreed combat? Is let's see you can jerk each other off and jerk the other one off. Well, that's been, legal in, that's been legal in Seattle for a long time, too. But uh, before all the other places, it was legal in Seattle. They led the way with that shit. No, um... No, you could, I think you can uh, get in a street fight with another person if it's agreed upon, uh, as long as you don't damage any property or anybody else, hurt anybody else. If you do, you're liable for it, obviously. Criminal charges would be pressed, but I think they let you fight it out if you want to. You know, nobody gets in trouble for it, as long as it doesn't result in anybody getting really hurt. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. cool. Which and I think like it I should said, be legal everywhere. I think there's somewhat of a, yeah, there's somewhat of a healthy, healthy respect to that. I'm like, all right, dude, you want to go settle this outside? And yeah, if you're bashing somebody's head off the pavement, it's probably gone too far. Um, I just found something, dude. Yeah. I was trying to send this is way off topic, ADD moment. I was trying mm-hmm. to send my buddy a gift, and I forgot to tell you this. Alan Thrall has a gift. Well, Alan Thrill's a super megastar, man. It's a super super megastar. I just I didn't. I think I've been in two. I think I've been in. I think I've been a part of two wedding parties with Al, and then I are brothers, brothers from another mother. We have gone into battle many times together, um, meaning football, and 
great times. He's right. one of my all-time favorite. Uh, he's one of my all-time favorite storytellers. He's the best storyteller. Oh, that, I see it now. You sent me the gift. Yeah. He's doing a military it? press, a standing military press. Yeah, that's Al. That's for sure, Al. He hasn't shaved or cut his hair since he got out of the Marines back in 2012. Fuck. I remember it was 2012 because I gave a speech at his birthday, his first birthday back uh, from the Marines. Great guy. Fucking consummate, uh, consummate uh, hero type of type of dude. Um, the best character of anyone I know as a man. Best really? Character. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. Easy. Just a good intention person. He is he is Captain America. Like if you watch the movie Captain America, that's who like just take the guy's virtues of Captain America. Just that's who he is as a as a dude inside. That's Alan Troll inside. Same. Same guy. It's fucking incredible. Hmm. Yeah, he's my hero. How many how, my hero. how many times huh? have you uh given him a blowjob? Uh well to be to be honest, we've done it together. Sixty nine, yeah. No, actually, I'm trying to think if we've done anything silly like that. Uh, not actually suck each other's dicks, but um, fuck, it's been so long. It's interesting how you kind of. The last time I saw him, it was a Cinco de Mayo party, but also I think it was like a, a celebration, uh, like baby shower thing, because uh, him and Caitlin were. Uh, they got married. They eloped, so I didn't get to go to the wedding. Um, more or less, they eloped. It was a really small party, and uh, they, yeah, they were they were pregnant. So I think it was a baby shower thing, and it was back backyard of maybe Caitlin's mom's place or something. The so last time I saw him, and before then, I mean, he used to hang out like every fucking day out outside of high school. The first couple, first few years. And then he went to the Marines and then uh, he moved in with thing one and thing four. Uh, and he sat JL and, and, and uh, JC, you know, and, ah, okay. Uh, okay. yeah, he was only there a month though, because his little brother got a place, bought his own place within that time. And he was like, well, my brother's asking me to move in for, you know, because he wants roommates, and you know, I got to do it. You know, like yeah, of course. But that was a fun time. That little month when he was there, he he really got into working out uh, because he was into, uh, or he got into um, when he was in the Marines. He was presidential guard. So here's another one. He was the honorary guide of his entire company at boot camp, which is basically he was he was he was voted by. The superior officers as the number one dude of his class out of boot camp. That's how much he kicked ass. And uh, so a guy like the, the the platoon leader type dude. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and then of the guides of each of each platoon of each barrack or whatever, they they interview and, and they they get assessed by the commanding officers, the COs. And then they vote at the end who was the honorary guy. Who was the number one? He got that for his class at boot camp, which Marine boot camp is 13 weeks. 
So it's pretty intense. And uh, then they asked him because they asked him if he wanted to be presidential guard. He signed up for infantry. He was planning to go to war. He wanted to serve his country. Again, this guy's fucking incredible. Amazing man. And uh, the what happened? The uh, they asked him. They said, "Hey, would you rather do? We, you know, you're a model marine. You have to be six foot tall at least, or around there. They don't want you to be freakishly tall. So I think you just have to be six foot." And they want you six foot, and he is, and, and you know, obviously, uh, super, super awesome character, trustworthy. I mean, he got honorary guide. And so he decided to do it. And so he didn't actually go over, overseas and serve in the war, uh, although he was in the military during, during the war. Um, so I guess that he still counts, and he's still a veteran, obviously. But... He was over at Camp David. It was the president's re- retreat outside of D.C. Uh, and he did that for a while. And you know what's funny? He had to get uh, he had to get uh, a background check for clearance for that one. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. the uh, the investigator guy came over to my house to interview me about Al, I. Uh, I spilled the beans on his pot use back back when he was in uh, junior high. I didn't know what to say. I was like, I don't know. Are we talking about this? Or are we not? He wasn't a pothead. He he tried it a couple times or whatever with mm-hmm. uh, one of his buddies. It wasn't even with me. I just knew knew that about him because you know we talked about it, and so I kind of ratted him, and he didn't get the clearance, and he he lost the position, and he was kicked out of the Marines, and. His whole life was thrown in the Obviously, that it was okay. Uh, and like, I would I, never honestly, throw a friend I, I just under heard the bus about like that. I like wasn't I'm, there. I have, I'd say I have no idea. I've never seen him do it in my oh, entire God. life. Yeah, I, I should have said if that. If he'd done a line that. of coke off of your penis and I saw it, I'd be like, no, never seen him do it in my life. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. I was young and stupid. And when the guy asked me, uh, do you know if he's done any, has he, has he, uh, any history with drugs? And I was like caught in the spot. I'm like, uh, <laughs> and I was just, I think I got scared. I'm like, oh, well, I only heard this one time once, you know, kind of a thing. Like I wasn't there. I just heard about it. You know, I, I know that's what I said. I heard about it. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I, I know because Alan confessed to me. I mean, not confessed. He just told me about it, uh, that he tried pot back in mm. junior high. And I never did at that point. I had never tried pot, or at least um, if I had, I didn't inhale. I'll just, I can say that. I built Clinton the fuck out of that joint or pipe or bong or whatever the fuck, fuck it was. Could you imagine uh, Bill Clintoning a bong hit? Isn't that silly? <laughs> I didn't inhale. I don't even know how you would do that. But I'm, I'm How not could a, you not inhale on a bong hit? hit? Yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking no. Be difficult. Anyway, so um, so he did that. But what happened was about two years into his uh, – two years into his uh, um, presidential guard, he was asked, I think, again, or he wanted to transfer to become a, uh, a, a Arlington Cemetery uh, casket holder. So he was one of the six Marines 
during a ceremonial burial of, of, a, of a Marine who had, who has died overseas, you know, gave the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. uh, in serving our country. He would, he was doing that where <laughs> he would take the, Oh man, pretty, pretty emotional stuff. Uh, and it's really, it's really, uh, you have to be really fucking strong to carry those caskets because they're super heavy and mm-hmm. the caskets in general are really heavy, but I think these ones are exceptionally heavy and, um, they, how they have to, uh, present it and bury it as a pallbearer central, essentially, they have to do all these different maneuvers with the casket for the ceremony. Like they have to hoist it, uh, over their shoulders with one arm. So all six of them mm-hmm. grab one part and they hoist it up. And, you know, they're just kind of moving it all the time. So they got to get really big and strong. And that's how he got into powerlifting, actually, hmm. was uh, because of that. But, yeah, that was pretty intense. Imagine doing that job and, you know, burying these guys and seeing them, their mothers crying and stuff and family. Oh, I yeah, that'd be that. fucking depressing, dude. Yeah. But uh, in- interesting you brought that, like, you uninten- completely unintentional that I even – I told you I was searching for a GIF, a powerlifting GIF, and I was like, oh, it's like Alan Thrall. It's fucking Alan Thrall. But where did we bring mm-hmm. that up? You bring that up, and then uh, it's actually rolling into Memorial Day weekend. How What's that to do with serendipitous? What does that have to do? Oh, what, oh, yes, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. Memorial Day, yes. yes. Yep. What do you mean How what does that have to do with God, I wish I could fucking choke you. No, I know what it means now. It didn't hit rest. me at first. I, I know huh? exactly what you mean. Because it's talking about the burial of of the guys who die and, and then yeah Memorial Day weekend in which yeah. you're right it is it is it's very fitting that we talk about it uh on this weekend I'm glad we brought it up and I want to say thank you to every single man and woman who ever gave up gave the ultimate sacrifice gave their life to serve their country our country so we could all be here today to have liberals yell at us and tell us and put on the yard sign telling us that we're pieces of shit and really appreciate it guys i know you're up there somewhere smiling down at us all and proud of of, and saying yeah it was totally worth it um i i can't tell my facetious but i'm also i'm also actually very serious about mine okay i i i figured you were and i i hope anybody listening that doesn't know you or i understands that that yeah yeah i'm also grateful but it's kind of funny you know you're like the freedom to have some other asshole tell you what you can and can't do. It's, uh, I want that freedom. Yeah, I want the, I want their I want that liberal to have the right to to put on that yard sign and tell me that I'm a piece of shit. I want that. So you can go. I want them to have piss that, on it. You know, I'm happy. And yeah, I want the liberty to go over there and piss on it if I want. No, I'm joking. That'd be uh, <laughs> like a defacing of somebody else's property or something. Uh, I'm not for that, but <clears throat> um, but yeah, you should make. Your own yard signs. Are you, yeah, are you know, thinking about making your own yard signs? I've been thinking about it a little bit, but we're not going to talk about that. And uh, make a little some garden rock separate. with the recording in it, with the speaker. It looks like a little garden rock, and you say, "Hey, you liberal! Hope you like shit in your mouth, because I'm going to shit in your mouth." You mean like a PA system where I'm w- watching yeah, from cool. the window when liberals walk by and go, <laughs> "Back off!" <laughs> <laughs> Nimby, it'll Nimby. just be autom- it'll just be automatic. It'll be like a solar light, you know, with low motion mm-hmm. 
motion sensing solar rock that has a speaker in it and just goes off maybe those randomly offensive some, things. Maybe we will spook the deer off of the lawn because they like to sleep there and take a shit on my shit. And it's like, get the fuck away from us. We got these cute little fawnies, little baby deers, fawns, walking mm-hmm. around the neighborhood. I took a picture of it. I was about 15 yards away from it, just looking at me. I'm like, what's wrong with you people? You have no instincts anymore. You should have a natural instinct to run from me, and you don't. You got fucking soft. They got soft. And then I thought they've about got, them going upstairs, getting my Bowie knife. Sends them, and just, they got a president yeah. that sends them paychecks every month, man, no matter what. <laughs> Dear. <laughs> Dear, you're getting paid. Yeah. They, they fucking cross in crosswalks now, dude. They hit the button and cross crosswalks. Oh yeah, no they they don't they don't they just jaywalk they stop traffic. The geese are the worst. I, the Canadian geese are the worst. They stop traffic all the time, crossing the street. Oh. Just don't give a fuck walling. Or they they honk. I always tell them to go back to their own fucking country. But it's like, aren't the Canadian geese supposed to go back to Canada during the summertime? Not here in Monterey. They stick around the all year long because I guess we don't really have that ch- that much of a change in weather. And uh, oh, yeah, and it's actually kind of cool here right now. And it's summertime, so they're they're not the typical okay. snowbirds, huh? They just stay there. Yeah, they're pretty much. It's so gay, or sorry, so homosexual, and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, fucking should we uh, waddling pricks? Should we before I before I forget? Should we go into our movie quote? Because I almost forgot. Sure, sure, yes, yes. You want to go first? You should go first. In fact, yeah. I insist. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Shoot. Uh, I had it ready. Good. And it, okay. Well, I had it ready, and then it my phone's freaking out on me, but okay. I don't, I don't really give a fuck. Just, just give your, give your quote. Yeah. <clears throat> Silence, please. Now, I have a fella on the inside there. He likes to play the ponies. Has a gambling sickness. Couldn't pick a horse to save his fucking life. But courtesy of this sick man, I have this. Scene. Hmm? So, that's all I one got. question. That's all I could find. Yeah, that's good. That's fine. So, uh, one question: Can you tell me what he's referring to? Courtesy of this man, I have this. What is this? This? What is this object? It's basically plans. It's plans and um, information on a large sum of money. I almost want to say, is it the Sting, Roy, or Roy uh, George Hill, George Roy Hill? That's no. Uh, Robert Shaw's character. Nope. Five points, gang. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> I actually have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a train whistle, dude. Like yeah, one of those little yeah. wooden whistles you had when you were a kid. I could, yeah, I can make my, I can whistle with weird ways, yeah. 
I also uh, sell. I can do some kind of like weird whistle thing in that. Sometimes it comes out. But every now and then I'll, I'll just have a whistle. whistle. I'll be talking and a whistle will come out. Like, where the fuck did that <laughs> whistle come from? And I can't remember. My, my Somebody made too. fun of you or it was perfect timing. And it was so funny. I can't remember. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, is it the town again? You fuck? Is it the town? It is. It is. You, it is. you did it twice? You did it twice. Why can't? Is there a rule? You can do it, twice. do it twice. You can't, yeah, you could do it twice. I'm going to do sexy beasts all over your fucking ass, you know? But, uh. <laughs> I've never seen that one, so yeah, you, you fucking get yeah, a free pass. You hit you, hit you with it every time until you start watching it. Okay, wow, yeah, the town. Uh, I was talking. No, I, I watched a video on a bank, a bank robber, a professional bank robber, and he analyzed, like, a bank robbery scenes for movies. And then mm-hmm. he rated him for realism. I think it's, I don't know, maybe GQ on YouTube or Wired. I don't know. And mm-hmm. he rated the town a 10 out of 10. Well, the only thing he said was that didn't make sense was in that first robbery, at least it's the first robbery. He rated a 10 out of 10. But he goes that first robbery. It made no sense why they would pour bleach all over everything when they were completely gloved up and tied up there. They, they wouldn't have left any DNA. So that was just wasting time. Yeah. You know, pouring the bleach, but that's something you would do if you, if you didn't have your, yeah. uh, maybe it on. was like a, re- maybe it was like a, a redundant, uh, triple check kind of a thing of like, we have gloves, but what if I put the glove on, got my fingerprint on the rubber glove, then touch, cash register with said rubber glove leaving my finger but maybe it's like the this is what we I don't think you would so bleach it just in case but I, I don't know I've never robbed a bank or I don't think you could you could leave a print or if you did I don't think you would be able to to lift a reliable print from a from a print off uh, from a, a a print off of a print so to speak you know it's like a fact of facts it'd be a piece of shit I... quality print there's no fucking way yeah that was that was just me guessing just off of uh well you're just little, stupid. Don't, G- don't guess. You're stupid. So why don't you go read GQ magazine again, you fucking cocksucker? Hey, gentlemen quarterly, man. It only comes out but three uh, four four times yeah, four times a year. <laughs> Seasonal. He um, said he said that this is the most realistic bank robbing movie. Well, there was other ones that were really risky real realistic i've heard people shit on the uh the bank robbery scene from heat i'm just like you shut your fucking mouth and talking to me you know because that movie's awesome <laughs> and that bank robbery scene is legendary and incredible it's like that's like oh, yeah. 70 pounds worth of cash on your back and they're running around like actually they're they're they have it on their back like fully on their back they're not running around they're gonna, it does look pretty heavy i so you're mm-hmm. just kind of being a dick about it and um and all that. But anyway, I mean, back to the military, the average army infantry men or Marines got at least 50 to 70 pounds of gear on and they're running around with. So, yep. Precisely. So how about you're telling me, you're telling me Val Kilmer Sizemore, that fat fuck Tom Sizemore can't carry around an extra 70 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to them. Uh, 
go with that. Oh, yeah. People, I don't get why people want to pick apart movies that are pretty damn good and close to realistic, but they won't pick apart like a Steven Seagal movie where he's like, I was a SEAL, but now I'm a cook, and I'm going to save this entire boat of people. Wait, you don't believe that? Or the... You don't believe that can happen? <laughs> we actually, you know, my favorite part about Under Siege is the Erica. I can never say her name right. I think it's German. Elisiak or something where she comes out of the cake and she's topless. That rack is insane and amazing. And that's my favorite part of Under Siege. It's why I watch it. That and to see Gary Busey dress up like a woman and seduce some dude, um, which he does. I've never seen it. That sounds horrible. Have you seen Under Siege? (laughs) I think I started watching it a couple weeks ago and I passed out. I, I, I really wanted to watch it. I was, like, in the mood. I'm like, I got to see this. I, I don't even think I've ever seen a full Steven Seagal movie. I didn't really grow up on his films. But uh, I started watching. I passed out. But Gary Busey dresses like a woman and seduces a guy. Oh, dude, it's classic. So Under Siege is either on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix, actually. If not, it's on um, Amazon Prime. So watch it. It's it's definitely my favorite Steven Seagal movie. That being said, I haven't seen every Steven Seagal movie because I'm not a fan of his. But I also am. I kind of really enjoy watching the disaster that is him and the ridiculous character that he is as a human being is fucking hilarious. I don't even want to get into it today because I wasn't planning on it. I don't think I have time or we have time. But there are no. a zillion Steven Seagal stories out of Hollywood from, from an assortment of actors who have worked with them. And they're all fucking hilarious. Mm. They're all fucking hilarious. They're, he is a ridiculous creature, completely unaware of, of who he is or, or how ridiculous he is, which makes it even more hilarious and rich. But we'll talk about that another time. Steven Seagal in or under siege is good. Uh, I enjoy it. At least the villains, you got Gary Busey and uh, Tommy Lee Jones, just so you know. Okay. And then, of course, that girl is so hot. She's also a Bay, Baywatch babe. And you were. This is you were this is under Baywatch siege. Under, under siege. siege, yeah. Still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Erica Elian Eliniak. Uh, yeah, Aliniak. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Eric. Oh, Aliniak. yeah, she was. She's yeah, she's uh, she was a hottie in Baywatch. She's not so much now. Not horrible. She actually still looks pretty good. Well, she's got to be what fifty eight. You know, she's not a young yeah. thing anymore. She was in her prime yeah, in the eighties, man. In the late oh, late eighties, early nineties. Complete hot, hot day, hot day. Anyway, so. Yeah, sorry. Um, it's uh, your turn, sir. No, no, I want to get back another... at I want to push back at what you're saying, why you have these experts shit on these like pretty damn good movies that are realistic and then they they give a movie like Under Siege a pass. Uh because nobody's expecting Under Siege to be realistic. You're not going there. We we're going there for the ridiculousness, for the the spectacle. Right? And so we don't mm-hmm. need some expert to pick it apart and say, okay, he's not wearing his pack correctly here. And uh, look at that. No, 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 no need for that. But were these really authentic, well-made movies were, were like, wow, to me, I would never have known these little details that they've 
taken under consideration and put into it. And so when you have an expert come out and say, yes, they did this right, they did this right, they did this right, helps you appreciate it more when they nail it. And if you're trying to do that and you've missed as a filmmaker and you, it gets pointed out, it's like, oh. And it also helps us learn about the world more. I never, I didn't know that much about bank robbery until I saw these movies about bank robberies. Right? I, had no, I would have had no idea how to rob a bank. Now I think I know how to do it. I could rob a bank. For sure, for sure. I could probably get away with it. I would. I'd get away with it too. Thanks for Place Beyond the, place beyond the Pines. And uh, heat and uh, you just watch these movies. But no, uh, there is there is a, you know, yeah, that's my that's my point. Anyway, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all I got to say to you. You an asshole. Yeah, I mean everybody probably pick pick things out of movies, especially if they're subject matter expert. There might be somebody watching a movie and they're like a realtor and be like, yeah, that never happens like that. And for the most part, I try and take that stuff at face value and be like, you know, if I'm watching them, I remember watching a movie and the biggest one that drives me crazy is uh is when there's motorcycles or dirt bikes and you're like, that is just not how that, that's not how that motorcycle sounds at all. It's way off, but the average person probably not even going to notice it, not going to ruin the story. Um, and then another one is uh, when you're watching now, when you're watching the, the, some of the violent or war movies and, and people are doing like obviously dumb stuff, like a guy runs by with a, a rifle and you're like, he didn't have a magazine in there. <laughs> He's like shooting this, shooting this rifle and there's no <laughs> ammo in it. So that's kind of, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of, that's kind of funny. But, but again, some of those things, even, even people that shoot or, or gun enthusiasts or whatever you want to call it, or are, are going to miss that stuff sometimes too. And I, I do as well. It's just one of those things you notice more. Yeah. Um, and it's my point. And like, you ever see that where, you see somebody, they shoot a, a regular semi-automatic pistol, but the slide doesn't go back, but you see the explosion. It's like, well, that's not realistic, you know, yeah. but we know that. And when we see something like that, it takes away from like, we're not, if, if he was trying to play funky games like that with the guns, right. It would totally take away. Would we have thought that that scene, that shootout scene on the streets of LA would have been as badass as, as if it was if they just kind of CG'd all the all the gunfire in it and, so, and, and such and shit. You just have like Bobby D making the sawings go pew 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 pew. You know, yeah, we wouldn't have liked it. So the closer you are to authenticity realism, the more it draws us in, and, and we appreciate it. I think again, it teaches us more about the world and all that stuff. And one thing about Michael Mann, one of the reasons why he's probably my favorite action director for the action film genre is he makes all his actors uh, train pre pre-production with live ammunition with the guns, which is, That's I cool. believe what John wick uh, guys are doing with, with uh, Keanu Reeves. Now they've learned well. So yeah, like Tom Cruise before collateral, he trained with an SAS fucking guy, ex-SAS guy, using live ammunition with the gun that you'd be using in, in, in that movie, the HKUSP. So, um, and I heard when they shot the, the, the shootout and uh, the bank shootout in the LA streets, 
they shut down all of downtown LA or a big part of it. And people who were there, they thought it was a war zone. It sounded like a war zone. There was so much gunfire going on. So pretty sexy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Give Kudos me Kudos to uh Michael yeah, Mann. to those act actors and fuck, Michael fuck Mann. Fuck the actors. It was Michael Mann who made that happen. But the actors Fucking Robert De Niro could have been replaced very easily in that movie. With Tommy Lee Jones. Fuck it. I don't care. Put put in actors. It would have been it would have worked. Put in whoever, other than Steven Seagal. Which yeah. It actually almost makes you want to tell one Stephen Seagal story that I heard anecdotally um, from a friend's dad who's in the movie business. But uh, I won't. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. No, no. I'm okay. What the fuck? So he told me, uh, he goes, uh, so um, there's these two movie producers and they were in an argument. One believed that you really needed to have talent and be very good to make it as an actor in Hollywood. And the other movie producer said, no, not really. You just need to know the right people and get hooked up. And Steven Seagal, so they made a bet, and Steven Seagal was the personal trainer for the movie producer who believed you didn't need any talent. The rest is history. Really? That's at least what I heard. That's what I heard. Anecdotal. Seagal is a personal trainer? Yeah. Like, he's never well, he even was a, had a uh, physique, dude. Well, he was a, a, a what's it called? A uh, Maybe maybe he was his dojo instructor for his whatever it was called. Oh, that for uh, what, the maybe, hell, what the hell? Maybe was that's what it was. Arts, he, I don't remember what martial arts it was. Yeah. It's Aikido. Aikido. Is it Aikido or something? Yeah. Yeah. So that one isn't one out in the public public ether. That one I heard from like an insider insider one. But yeah, 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 yeah. Because he certainly has zero talent as an actor. He's very little, at least. You know, yeah, he sucks. <sighs> and Jean Claude Van Damme, who's actually one of my favorite 80s actors when you think about it like you watch i don't know if you want grew up on any of his movies like you watch him and he's pretty cheesy but he also has uh he has some some redeeming qualities and he at least has i'm actually to go with it i love jean claude on them i i, I actually yeah. think he's i like him i think he's he's a he's a decent half decent actor for what he does he's actually uh, a martial arts badass you know he actually did it He's also a really good-looking guy, so he he does look like a movie star. He does pull off the leading roles. Um, yeah, I, I, I like him as an action star. I think it was natural that he became an an action movie star. And so, I dig I dig him. And he that's another one. He and uh, uh, Steven Seagal almost got in a fight at a at a party, a Hollywood party. Uh, Steven Seagal was talking shit, and Jean Claude's like, "What? I'll kick your ass any day, any time." So Jean Claude got all upset and like, "All right, let's go, let's do this, huh? Let's do this!" And he he got in his his position, his martial arts position, and he was ready to fight. And Steven Seagal basically pushed out. I don't I don't really? use violence anymore, or whatever he said. 
John Claude Van Damme is ready to go to fuck him up at this Hollywood party, apparently. But go ahead. Um, I love the the scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when they're making fun of Bruce Lee and Brad Pitt being a stuntman, and Bruce Lee's like, well, I would fight you, but my hands are registered weapons, so if I were to kill you, I'd go to jail. And then Brad Pitt throws him into the Lincoln Continental. The truck, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just love Quentin Tarantino's ability to, to say, hey, what you know, what if the, this, this real, you know, life martial arts guy was really a, a fucking loudmouth bitch, like, and somebody just, the stuntman kicked his ass. Like, that's, so, that's hilarious, dude. Well, that apparently, <laughs> that apparently is uh, a, uh, comes from a, another story. I think Hollywood legend, like anecdotal story from, oh, fuck, I can't think of the guy's name. Something with Brock or Brock was something. And uh, the guy was a martial arts badass, and he might have been a stuntman in Hollywood. And apparently he went toe-to-toe with Bruce Lee and beat him, beat him up. Um, huh. Yeah, and so I think that's what that was supposed to be. But that's neither confirmed or denied. I don't, I don't know uh, the situation, mm. but I think that's where it comes from. And that same guy who beat up Bruce Lee, he has a Steven Seagal story. That's really funny. Everybody uh, has Steven Seagal story. That to me. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to hear that one. Is it like him, him challenging Steven Seagal, or vice versa, or what? Uh, so Steven Seagal apparently is. He doesn't pull his punches when he films with the stuntmen. He gives it his full weight, and he really tries to punch these the stuntmen, and they really don't like him for it, but they can't do anything or say anything because he's usually, he's the star of the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then he was looking at all the stuntmen. Look at you. I can kick all your asses if I really want to, or something like that. And uh, what he routinely says to everybody and he goes, you can't, uh, I have a technique where I cannot be choked out, where I can't be choked out. You know, you can do it. I don't care. You know, I, you can never choke me out. And the guy's like, really? And so uh, I think it was this actor. It might have just been a regular stunt guy, but I, I've heard it, it, was, it, was the, it was the guy that beat up Bruce Lee, too. So um, I don't know which is which. But uh, so he goes, okay, I'll do the the, the rear naked chokehold on him. And he did a rear naked chokehold where, you know, he puts Steven Seagal's Adam's apple right into his the fucking, uh, um, you know, the the yaw of his, uh, you know, of his uh, where's the joint of where the, the forearm meets the upper arm, and you mm-hmm. just squeeze right, and then you put the other hand your free hand, uh, an arm, you put that against the guy's back of his head and force him into that, that place. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so that's how they started off the near the, the rear naked chokehold and Steven Seagal, he goes, okay, go ahead, begin. Right. And so he starts to strangle him and Steven Seagal's trying to get out. He's trying to get out and he can't. And eventually he, he gets put to sleep and he shits himself. And then he lets him go. And Steven Seagal, after shitting himself, gets up. He either pissed himself or shit. I think he shit himself. But he, he stands up and he, and he, you know, like 
the walk you'd give, the hurried walk that you'd give if you shit your pants, and you, and you hurried to the bathroom. Yeah. So that's that's one story. Never, I the guys watching, they all laughed. It was really satisfying satisfying for them to see. Yeah. That's one. Um, yeah, he's a, he's pretty pathetic in that. He claimed that he taught that MMA champion guy who was known for his kicks, that he taught that guy his kicks. You know, the guy's just insane. Tom Arnold. Yeah, Tom Arnold that's... is one of my favorite. Tom Arnold's Steven Seagal story is one of my favorites. What's that? So they were working on, I think it was Exit Wounds together. And they were doing uh, they were doing a read through of the script, rehearsal read through of the script on the director's like yacht or something. So he had all the actors on his boat around a table. And Steven Seagal showed up, and he was like, "I don't rehearse. It fucks with my blah blah blah, my delivery or whatever." And he goes, "I just want to let you know, I'm gonna kick all of your asses, right?" And then he walked. And then he turns around and he walks off the deck and he opens his door and he didn't know the door was out to the, just the open water. And he fell right into the fucking water after saying that. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. That, there's a lot of good ones coming out and a lot of um, uh, like another podcast I've, I've listened to before I like is uh, Andy Stump. It's called Cleared Hot. He I think he hates Steven Skull. I don't know why. Just I think just he just thinks he's one of the horrible TV actors. I think he's a piece of shit. Kelly yeah. LeBrock was but, uh, his wife, and so, he and she came out and she said that he used to beat her up like every night and rape her. Oh, and then and then uh, actors who have worked with him have come out and said, "Yeah, I've I've personally heard him how he talks to his wife. He calls her a fucking cunt, bitch, like the worst thing you could ever think of." He says to her. And somebody, maybe Rob Schneider tells a story and it's not even his, but it's like a story like Damon Wayans story or, or Ivory Keenan Wayans story when they were working with him, where uh, he uh, he got the, the, the Dalai Lama because he became a Buddhist, the Dalai Lama, and he, I guess he gave an, enough money and I guess he's he's got clout enough as a Hollywood movie star. Um, that he got the Dalai Lama to proclaim him a deity, like basically a god, which is like one of 167 for Buddhist, for the Buddhist. So it doesn't really mean anything. But uh, so he's like, oh. And so he, he's bragging about it to, to Ivory Keenan Williams or something. Wayans, sorry, Ivory Keenan Wayans. And uh, he goes, uh I just got word back that the Dalai Lama, that the Dalai Lama, that the Dalai Lama, in his wisdom, has decided to make me a deity. So yes, I, I am a god now, and uh, praise praise be, uh, oh the Holy Buddha or whatever he says and this and that, and uh, he goes, I do I feel different now, I feel lighter and and like he's claiming he's he's enlightened now, right? Well, he's better than everybody else, and he's he's more just clear. From the blessing, and then, yeah, yeah, just from being proclaimed a deity by some Yahoo in a, in a fucking orange robe, and so uh, no offense to His Holiness the Dalai Lama, 
really great guy every time. Um, but so what happens is, uh, I guess his wife calls him like directly after he's saying all this to, to Ivory. And so he picks it up and it's, it's his ex-wife and he just sees him unload on the phone to her like you stupid fucking cunt i should jump off the fucking kids blah, 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 blah. And, and, and all that like just just horrible and he just had to walk away and laugh like this guy is fucking completely oblivious and uh yeah so there's that one wow <clears throat> what a guy okay uh, I, I, I might as well tell yeah. all of the all of the steven seagal stories i got I'm trying to remember. Uh, well, the one there's one one, one of the John good Lugazama ones. Has. One of the good ones that I heard that I was saying before you fucking interrupted me again because we should uh-huh. call big podcast um, was a guy that was a Marine Corps vet and was he got into doing some of the tactical training and stuff on Hollywood movie sets and was working with Steven Seagal and this guy I I don't know if he quit or what the story is I I'm. Uh, paraphrasing what I heard secondhand, so go listen to Cleared Hot Podcast mm-hmm. if you want to hear the full mm-hmm. story. But the guy said, "Yeah, he's a fucking clown. Like basically, just like anything you tell him not to do, he goes and does it anyway. Like he'll be like, yeah, and don't roll. It's dangerous, and it's not going to work for the scene. And it's like scene comes up, and Steven Seagal does like a roll, <laughs> just doesn't listen to anything anybody says, <laughs> and." um and then there was another one, I think maybe this was on Joe Rogan's podcast, said Steven Seagal was talking to uh, one of these UFC fighters and was like, here's what I would do. Like, you do a like a roundhouse kick or whatever, knock him out. And then the guy's like, okay, Rick yeah. Throw like, out with I'll, my bare hands. He's like, I'll, I'll do that. And the guy ended up actually kicking this guy in the face or whatever and knocking him out. And Steven Seagal said, I, I told him to do that move. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's classic. So it's, it's, Ego, yeah, I think so he's big. He's, I can't imagine, dude. I can't. I can't imagine being that egotistical. You really think just like I, like I'm untouchable, <laughs> and nobody can do anything to me. Invincible, but yeah. No, he is. Anyway, uh, let's hear your. Yeah, there's there's the Steven Toblowski one uh, is actually long. There's one on YouTube. I suggest everybody watch it. But it's kind of off. It comes off of the uh, uh, the Ivory Keenan Williams story because that that is the time when he he's proclaimed a deity and all that stuff. And he goes through his his big you know uh, ego trip throughout that movie. And one of the things is he uh, now that he's a deity, he can't use violence or harm anybody. Right. And so there's this movie in this movie, Stephen Toblowski's character plays a psycho who comes in with a gun and shoots a priest and he's in there. And uh, so as cops, they have to go in there and take care of the situation. And Stephen Seagal's character is a cop and he's in there and he's facing Steve, Stephen Toblowski. And his character is meant to go in there and just shoot the guy because the guy wants a suicide by cop, essentially. And so he's threatening to shoot Steven Seagal and, uh, and, uh, and Steven Seagal's character is supposed to just shoot him. Like, Hey, put the gun down, man, put it down. Come on. It's supposed to be that. And the guy's like, no, I'm going to shoot you. But Steven Seagal refused to do the scene. 
because he refused to to kill anything anymore. He goes, I don't want to, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to put that out, uh, perpetuating violence. Don't you think that's all wrong and the violence? And I, I think this whole thing is like, what the fuck do you think you're getting paid millions of dollars to do right now? You know, to show your violence, right? You know, this is this is what it is, dude. You don't like it? You can give the money back and turn in your fucking PJs. You know, get the fuck out of here. And so uh, he said, oh, I don't want to do it. And so. Stephen Toblowski tells this story how he he has to convince Steven Seagal why it's okay to shoot him as a character, a character character. And uh, I can't do it, give it justice, but it's like something like you know uh, he's a tortured soul, and and in this world and in this existence he's a tortured soul, and by by shooting him and by killing him. You are now releasing his tortured soul so he could be free again. And he goes, so I'd be helping him? He goes, yes, yes, you, you, you'd, you'd be like helping him. He goes, oh. And so they decided to do the scene. And at the end of the scene, I guess Steven Seagal ended up not being able to pull the trigger. Right? And so they, they, uh, uh, they had to no 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 they shot the scene steven seagal pulled the trigger and it's a really funny scene because you could totally see steven seagal really not wanting to shoot this guy and uh what happened is later uh steven seagal or somebody um steven seagal in a scene brings up the guy in the in the church and how he's like oh i'm super glad that he didn't die i didn't kill that guy like he brings it up and so they had to reshoot the scene where Steven Toblowski's like chest blows up from getting shot into him not, or, or all that happens is, is, is oh, this is what they do. They show, they kept that scene in, they kept that shot in where Steven Toblowski's chest blows up, but they, they had him do a voiceover ad, added a line voiceover, or just, they added, they had him come in into the audio to do it, uh, to add a line. And what he says is after he gets his chest blown out, they just put this over uh, the movie where he goes, fuck, you know, finish me, you bastard, or something like that. Kill me. Why don't you kill me? Something like that. It was really funny. Because Steven Seagal, in a scene that they couldn't cut, kept on mentioning this guy and how he didn't kill him and how he survived. And so he had to, had to do that to make it work. Oh. He's so ridiculous. The last Steven Seagal story, the last one, is a John Leguizamo. And uh, all it was, it's actually anticlimactic, but to me, it's it's fucking, it's ridiculous. So we all know who John Leguizamo is, right? I think I'm pronouncing his name. If you don't, look him up. Um, He plays the clown in uh, Spawn, I think. I haven't actually seen that movie. Uh, I just know about it, but, uh, um, he, uh, <clears throat> he was in a movie with Steven Seagal called executive decision starring Kurt Russell. And I think Halle Berry hot, hot, right. And, uh, um, it's about a group of terrorists that hijack a plane and, you know, they hold everybody hostage. They want some kind of, you know, typical terrorist hijacking a plane story. 
holding a rehab. They want some demand being met by the government. And uh, so they send, so what they do is the U.S. government, the Pentagon comes up with a plan based on Kurt Russell's, you know, expertise somehow um, to get a stealth plane uh, and do a, a port bridge thing, have it fly under, under the, uh, the airline, the airline jet and do a, uh, a port bridge thing, come call them to get into a, like a compartment area, cargo compartment area in the plane. And it could happen, uh, as long as the pilots who were, who were flying the plane, uh, would allow it. And obviously the pilots want the, the guys to come in there and it brought in the SEAL team, essentially. It's actually a really good movie. Watch it. It's probably Steven Seagal's best movie. He's probably, and he's only got about three minutes screen time in it. But, uh, um, so they're there prepping uh, pre pre-production, like doing the rehearsal things. Like I don't do, I don't rehearse thing. And he's there with the, the SEAL team and he's supposed to be the captain of the SEAL team. Right. And John Lugazam was just one mm-hmm. of the seals. And uh, uh, what, what he says is to, to his seal team before, you know, in pre-production, just the guys as actors, he, he addresses the other actors who are going to be subordinates in the movie. And he says something in effect. Uh, uh, he goes, oh, what does he say? He goes, uh, I, all right, I'm the, uh, uh, I'm the, oh, fuck, I'm fucking it up. He says something, he says something in effect like, uh, I, all right, you do as I say, I'm the leader or, or something like that. You know, you do as I say, I, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And John Lucas Amos just kind of chuckles to himself because it's the most ridiculous thing to say to somebody like, dude, this is just a movie. You're not really a SEAL leader. We're not really your underlings here kind of a thing. And he goes, is this guy serious? And then Steven Seagal looks at him and goes, you disagree? And I guess John Lugazamo didn't say anything, just kept on laughing. And uh, Steven Seagal, I think, slapped him right across the face or, or punched Ooh. him or hit him in the throat or something. And that was like, fuck that guy after that, you know. And that's all that happened. John Lugazamo did not yeah, no. punch him back or anything. But that sounds kind of familiar. What I say is law. I'm in command. What I say is law. And then John Lugazam was laughing. He goes, You disagree? And he, he hits him. Yeah, who would do that? Who would do that to a colleague? You know, the guy's a fucking yeah. psycho. I heard that story shit. somewhere too. Maybe, maybe I saw a YouTube video of it or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I drink them up. Those Steven Seagal stories are hilarious. So, um, fuck, I guess I should do my, my movie quote, huh? Yeah, send it. Okay. <clears throat> you want to get back at this brick? Hmm? Okay, what? You got like $2 million in that box? Hey, hey, you got a minute? You've got $2 million in the box, right? Okay. You let, him, you let him keep the jewels. We take the cash. And the only thing that he cares about Huh? Her Majesty, we go to Europe, you dye your hair, you get some plastic. I don't want to go to Europe. I want us to go see the elephant man. 
We're not going to see any fucking elephants. Okay, we're going to Europe. Let the adults talk. You dye your hair. You get the plastic surgery like we talked about, right? You're the, you're the mother. How much do you think he's going to pay to get this fucking kid back? I don't want to go to Europe. Shut your mouth. You know where she gets this from? You shut up. No, you, you want me to come over there? I'll smack your face. Don't give me any of your shit. Okay, this has always been a dream. Of, uh, this has always been a dream, but now we're going. See. Casino. Yeah, I had to do it. I had to do it. Lester. Lester. Lester talking to the little girl. Is even his? I'm going to smack your face. I'm going to go there and smack your face. Give me your shit. He's sitting there, yeah. sitting there like a dumbbell. You know who used to love quoting that movie is Ray. Which one was Ray? Oh, Ray, Ray yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? What was his, what were his favorite there, line? Like a dumbbell. That that one. So, He's sitting there like a dumbbell. And then, uh, all right, mm-hmm. all right, all right, all right. <laughs> when uh, she's freaking, I don't need you. Sharon Stone blew the mind. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Um, oh. What are some of those favorite, favorite oh, lines? Yeah. Uh, they're they're going to watch us. We're going to watch them right back when they're – I think they're doing like counter espionage. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> they started they started wiretapping that the FBI agents were wiretapping them. Looking at them, it's so funny. Looking at them <laughs> with binoculars right back at them. That's, that's, yeah. good. that's good. Oh yeah. No. Uh my favorite my favorite character in that movie is easily James Woods, the pimp, Lester the Pimp. That guy is awesome. Jake Lester Diamond. How, how is he, he your favorite character? He is an inspiration. Uh, James Woods is one of my favorite all-time Hollywood dudes. All right. He's got a huge schlong. Everybody knows it in real life. IRL. I never knew life. that. Yeah, now you do. I never knew that. Um, yeah, now you do. Yes. And uh, the guy's just a fucking legend. And this is one of his big iconic roles. He's playing a pimp. And he does it fucking wonderfully. And so it's really interesting about that movie. It's based on a real story, actual events. Uh, Ace Rothstein is really lefty, some other Jewish guy name. And uh, so Sam Rothstein goes by Ace Rothstein. Yeah, it's like, so his name was Lefty something. And he... Is that a doggy? What's going on over there? Yeah, it's the dogs. Oh, poor poochies. Did you get that that noose I sent you in the mail? Maybe you can use it finally. I did not. Okay. Anyway, so but yeah, he marries this this woman who's essentially a prostitute hustler. Um, I don't think she was rolling guys, trick rolling, but um, but you know you, you saw her description in the movie. She. She'd take these wealthy guys and out for the for the weekend and suck them dry financially speaking by the end. <clears throat> and uh, so this woman was really an exceptional prostitute, and she must have been in order exce- exceptional beauty, exceptional personality to be a high class escort. You have to be, you know, just really beautiful, really put together, uh, really intelligent. Um, well cultured to be able to talk with these these mucky mucks, 
and talk about sophisticated things. I know what you're talking about. So these high class right. hookers, so so to speak, are actually quite incredible, high quality women. They but they their morals have been degraded to the point where they, you know, they understand their value and they're selling it. They're selling themselves. You know, and buy in to the fairy tale princess story. And these are type of women where that was viable for them. They could have gotten some type of Prince Charming and made it kind of happen for them, you know, as much as it could be, it could be in this world. Because um, these, these are the type of women who could pretty much get any man, man they want. Uh, but uh, she became a prostitute instead. And uh, our character, Ace Rothstein, played by Robert De Niro, decides to wife her up. And he's shocked that he could never get her to fall in love with him, to really love him, to love him back. Because her heart is reserved for Lester Diamond, Lester the pimp, her pimp. And you see him in the in the story where, uh, in the film, and he's there, and she just, it, when he gives, when he introduces Sharon Stone's character, they, he talks about, you know, it shows her just like working all these rich guys and all this stuff, and she's got everything controlled, but then she melts like a little baby for, and just, keels over for, for Lester and it's like the scene where Lester's like and what did I tell you didn't I tell you I'd be there for you didn't I tell you I'm always going to be there and blah, blah, blah. now give me a kiss and he kisses her and he takes like a big fat wad of cash that she gives him just hands it over to him he goes alright thanks sweetie he rolls up puts it in his back pocket or wherever and, you know hikes up his, his, his waist his pants and walks out to his piece of shit convertible drives off because he doesn't give a fuck about her and to a guy like Sam Rothstein and, and many guys, he never, he never understood that relationship. He couldn't understand until the very end. He still couldn't understand what it was that made Ginger, his wife, the Sharon Stone's character, melt and basically do anything and everything for this piece of shit pimp guy who really had nothing to offer and treated her like shit and her daughter like shit eventually you see him like what the fuck was she doing with this guy why is she giving him the time of day right that's because he doesn't understand the pimp game and how it works and what it is and he didn't understand when he got into bed and he decided to to marry a damaged woman like that, what that's, what he's really signing up for. And, he's, and apparently at the end of the story, he still didn't learn his lesson. He just kind of accepted it and moved on. And that's what you got to do. You just have to accept it. This woman is damaged. You're never going to make her the, the queen and princess and, and fairy tale with someone like that. It's sad. It's tragic. And it's not even their fault necessarily. Uh, it's a fucked up psychological subconscious thing that they, suffer from where uh, to be a, a victim of a pimp a pimp is the guy who has really uh, exceptional abilities to, to romancing women and he uses them for evil so to speak he's a guy with good game but he uses them for he uses it for evil so to speak right right and he, he gets the woman he uses the women for his selfish needs and wants 
and um, and he abuses them. He has to abuse them in order to get them to give him money. It's so what a pimp does is he he can't target a woman who is well adjusted, who had a good family life, no daddy issues, right? That woman is never going right. to prostitute herself or anybody. You know, not not unless she's needy, unless she's needy. So you find a woman who's in who's needy, who's poor, who's lost everything, no family, uh, or comes from a damaged uh, life, who's very vulnerable. You target these type of women, then you romance them. Basically, you get them to fall in love with you. You give them shelter and a place where they can trust, and, and you tell them everything they need to hear. I'm there for nobody ever gave a fuck about you, but I do. I always have. I love you. Nobody gives a fuck about you. No, these Johns, your mother, nobody. But I care about you. I'm always going to be here for you, baby. I'm always going to be here. No, no, daddy, I know. Oh, oh daddy. You kiss them. Which that actually kind of happens in that movie, doesn't it? That's exactly Isn't what he's that doing one to, close her. to one of his clients? Yeah. He's yeah. pimping her. Yeah, he's a, he's pimped her, and he, and, he, and he has her under his pimp spell. And, uh, Women can break out of a pimp spell over years of of if the pimp starts slacking on his game, and uh, if if he's if, if she gets fucked out, if she's fucked way too many Johns, and she's burnt out, you know. Usually, what happens though, if it's if it's like a, what Lester would have done, uh, and what he was clearly about to do was marry her. He would have like, that's all right. Let's take the $2 million, let's go to Europe and let's, we're going to spend our rest of our lives together. And he, a lot of pimps do that. They'll, they'll marry uh, one of their hoes that they had more exceptional. That's a more exceptional, high quality of their, of their stable, maybe the best hoe they've ever had. And she's starting to get fucked out. And, and so he wipes her up rather than loses her. That happens. Pimps tend to do that. Um, <clears throat> Not not saying that the the marriage lasts necessarily doesn't always last usually it doesn't uh, and I'm sure Ginger and Lester if they were allowed to to run off to Europe with the two million dollars and all they had to do was uh, give the baby back to Rothstein for exchange for another two million million let's say that relationship would have dried out real quick after the money. <clears throat> until the money ran out. And that's exactly what happened to Ginger. She got her settlement from the divorce and she put it all up her nose and eventually in her, up her veins, I'm sure, before uh, ending up being found dead in some motel hall room or some shit, right? So, right, right. Yeah, there's nothing you can do with that. And Sam Rothstein's problem is he didn't know that her heart was reserved for Lester. She was in love with Lester. Lester had good enough game to keep her in love. And it was, you have Sam Rothstein. He's there. He's giving her everything she ever wanted. Here's your meat coats. Here's this big, beautiful house. Here's the millions of dollars, all the jewelry. You get to see the celebrities. You get to go to the shows. I'll buy you a Cadillac, a fancy Mercedes. That doesn't 
turn her on. That doesn't build her desire for this guy. He's just another John to her, but at a but at a seriously high level, where he was able to get her, um, where he she was able to get him to marry, you know, to basically hand over this guy's entire life or half of the shit kind of a thing. But and that's the kind of that's the only thing he doesn't understand. He was just another John to her in the end, you know. And uh, right. her real heart was with Lester. Yep. And uh, <sighs> yep, 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 yep. So just respecting. And so I like Lester because he has. I mean, to to have done that, to win the heart of of a dam, damage or not, but of that seriously quality woman, um, you got to have some game, and he and he maintained it through the decades, the years, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he never gave a fuck. Which about is her. funny to think about because he's such a such a weasel of a guy, you know, like doesn't doesn't really yeah. do anything to bring in, you know sustenance for himself he just he's he's trying to use her to get money from uh Rossi's character so it's kind of funny mm-hmm well that's what pimps pimps they they put their women out into the world like you need to do this for us you need to go out and fuck this guy for us right get his money and uh he doesn't love you you don't love him we love each other you know but you know i need you to do this for us thank you baby you know kind of thing and, if they don't bring back enough, then it's like, you don't love me. Yes, I do. I don't love you. No, I need to see more of this shit, bitch. Get the fuck out of here. You know, and you get all angry at them, and you, you make it their fault. You turn around like, you, you've disappointed me so much, woman. And this reflects how much you don't really care about us and our, and our love. Right? Boom. Right. And every 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 uh, prostitute, every woman in a in every hoe, if you will, in a pimp stable believes that they're special, to, that they're uniquely special, even though they know about the other hoes. But they believe they're uniquely special, and until they realize they're not, and that's that's when things start to. It, it either turns into a business relationship, where it's like, okay, you know, you're going to protect me, you're going to take care of me, and I appreciate that. While I go out and try to earn money. Uh, and you know you deserve your cut. Obviously, you're taking your cut. Um, but usually, you know, you can't be a, a hooker forever. You know, if you're gonna, t- if you decide to pick up that kind of work, eventually you lose a lot of value the older you get. And by the time you're a certain age, you just can't do it anymore. It hits a point of diminishing returns. And again, you. You, you fucking enough Johns as a prostitute, you start to a few screws go loose in your head, you know, over time, and, uh, and so you just got to get out. But yeah, they think that. And I was watching uh, this documentary about Iceberg Slim. He's the guy who wrote Pimp, and he was a real life pimp in Chicago in the 1940s or whatever. And, um, and he wrote this, this, uh, I guess it's like an autobiographical, I guess autobiographical, autobiographical novel, or it was a straight up just like, yeah, this is a, this is me. This is my story. This is what I did. 
and um, it breaks down his game and how he got into it and everything. And uh, uh, yeah. but I was watching the documentary. I first obviously learned about him from the Dave Chappelle, you know, to pimp a butterfly bird, whatever thing it was, the Bird Chronicle. I don't even know what it was. What? The stand-up routine. It, it, one of his Netflix specials, stand-up specials. He's in the belly room of the comedy store, but um, he's uh, he talks about that book and, and a scene where Iceberg has a hoe, and she's starting to he's his, his um, down bitch or his bait, you know, some 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 term that pimp term meaning like this is my my hoe that keeps all the other hoes in line, my head hoe, my right hand woman, so to speak, for his pimp operation. Right. And uh she she is starting to you know, wanting to, to leave the life and she's kind of reaching her wit's end. And so he uh he does this whole fucking Thing, this whole ploy where he gets her to believe that she killed him, this guy, and uh, uh, and he's like, all right, it'll just be us. Nobody will ever tell you about it. And she, he got her to stay with her for like another couple of years or whatever after pulling that trick on her, because it was like, hey, I I know about what I know what you did, kind of thing. And it being a lie, like the guy was in on it. But <clears throat> anyways, I watched a documentary about this guy after learning about him. And it was on Amazon Prime, I think. Got a beautiful daughter. This iceberg slim character. But uh, he talks about how you don't want to fuck your hoes too much. You want them to kind of want to thirst you. You you know they need to they need to look at you like like the god and, and and just being in your presence. Oh, I'm so grateful. You can't just give them the dick whenever they want it because then they'll stop appreciating it and they won't get your shit anymore. You gotta keep it from withhold it from them until they you know they're on their hands and knees begging for it. Please, it's got to be a, a special treat. I will grace thee with my penis this evening, lady, because I, it's your birthday, or not necessarily because your birthday, but something like that. And when we talk about you have a stable of 12 girls, it's probably pretty easy to do that anyway. I don't know how many hoes you had, but let's say you did have 12. It's like, well, even if you fucked one every single day, but you alternated each day, I mean, that's withholding the penis for girls enough. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, vocation, being a pimp. It's like, wait a minute, so you don't do anything. Get these girls to basically sex with these other guys, and then they give you money. They pay you afterwards, you know, for what they do. Sounds like a great gig. But the things involved, very dark, very abusive. Yep, yep. What do you have to say about pimping, you think it's, my friend? 
Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, do you think all, I mean, any business like that, you got to tend to think that people are going to be a little shady. They're involved, like say the, the pimp. So yeah, like you say, it's very, very shady or whatever. They're doing some dark stuff, but do you think there's like a, like, like more legitimate pimps, if you will, that are, you know, we treat the girls right and they just want to do it or like that. Is that not how that works? Well, yeah. So you have like that brothel guy, right? In uh, outside of Reno or the Bunny Ranch. What's his name? He croaked though. Um, yeah, he's essentially what you call it. I know what you're talking about, but I didn't know there. Yeah, so there's a there's a, a brothel, a legal brothel in Nevada called the Bunny Ranch. I'm sure it's still there. The owner died, but I'm sure it's, sure it's still there. And um, you can go there and pay a woman to have sex with you in a room. Brothel. It's legal, 100% legal in, in, in that state. Licensed and everything. They pay taxes and shit for sure. And uh, so... In that environment, when everything's on the up and up, was that the guy who owned the place um, and was taking the kickbacks, taking his cut uh, for the trick, for the money and the trick and roll? Are you outside? What are you doing? Windy out. Yeah, is there a bunch of wind or what? Yeah, 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 there is. What's going on? I was going for a cruise, but I guess I. Fuck Roll up the windows, you fuck. Roll up the windows, at least. Dickhead. Um, I was going, I was smoking a cigar. I got. I spent my whole morning talking to you oh, three times, waiting to, to do this you know podcast. And then you know I'm what's like, so what? upsetting? My truck isn't starting anymore. I think it's kaput. I can't go on my little drives smoking a cigar anymore. That's so upsetting. What uh, is it the battery or is it something with the engine or what? Not the battery. Not the battery. Uh, I drove it, the last time I drove it was not yesterday, not but the Thursday before yesterday. Um, parked it, and then I tried starting it either Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, and nope, it went, and so it, it almost starts, but then it doesn't. It doesn't quite make it. And I tried again two days later. Well, if it's really cold and wet or early in the morning, my truck won't start. It has to warm up, has to be midday kind of a thing. The environment has to be right. Well, when I tried to start it both of these times, it hadn't rained a bunch. It seemed to be the right environment, and it just wasn't starting. I think it just finally had its last leg, maybe. And uh, it's really sad. You're you're going to keep it, though, right? I mean, it's probably still worth holding on to. What would I do with it? What would I do with it? Fix it up. Repaint it. That's your cigar smoking truck, dude. Yeah, maybe I should. You know how many many people, I I was going to say, do you know how many people like when it, because I know you have another daily, I don't know what's your daily driver, your truck or your car, but I'm assuming your car is your daily daily driver for business. Daily driver. Um, But that truck, just for the, you know, the, the, sentimental value that you have with it i'm i'm sure whatever you would need to to dump into it to get it running isn't much and even if you wanted to make it nice i remember you saying the paint starting to peel and stuff if you even wanted to do that 
if you look at stuff like that, dude, it's really not that expensive in the grand scheme of things. Like some people go buy a brand new diesel truck that is like a thousand dollars a month when they finance it. That's fucking crazy to me. So you think oh, you spend not- three grand fixing fixing it up, then you're gonna have that truck for how many more years before it goes kaputs on you again? I I would just keep it. I want to keep it. My my plan was always to keep it till it dies, and I think it's come to that point. But maybe you're inspiring me to go ahead and and get the tow truck over to send it to the mechanic in town and and just have him fix it, get it running again. And yeah, uh, I mean it's maybe it's I worth a quote. Because I have to say, man, yeah, I I love that truck, and what I I I did get my good use out of it. However, I I am surprised it's lasted so long. But up until the end here, I I was smoking out of that motherfucker and driving to Big Sur and back and around here and there, enjoying the beautiful scenery and scenic drive and uh, having a cigar, man. And that's where it, it sounds. It sounds to me like it's it's worth keeping, especially for your purposes of just cruising. You know, you can smoke in it. You're not worried about it. Yeah. If you need it, yeah. like a, pickup trucks are handy to have from time to time. They're like. I don't have a big, I have a Tacoma, so it's got a tiny bed on it, but there's still stuff every once in a while. It's like, oh, I need to go get this. I'm glad I have my truck to go to go pick it up. I'm not hauling fucking horse trailers or nothing, but it's always good to have a pickup. Unless you're helping somebody move, then it's not good to have a pickup and your truck's broken. Your truck's broken. Um, yeah. My truck's broken. No. Sorry. I put a camper on it. Um, I don't know. I, I like I, that I, truck. You're I, I've been wanting to get You're inspiring something. me, man. Yeah, go ahead. I've been wanting to get something older, uh, which is another talking point. Car prices right now are through the roof, dude. I know we've talked about real estate a little bit, and the housing market's gone crazy, but even car prices, I'm finding – I used to buy – you remember my old 4Runner, right? It was like a 99. I think, yeah, it was a 99, then I had a 97 4Runner. I think Mm -hmm, I paid mm -hmm. four or five grand for for each of them, four for one, five for the other, whatever – I've seen on Craigslist, and I was looking in Sacramento because I'm trying to find one of the old Forerunners, the '80s models where you can take the top off. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm talking isn't about. Isn't that just isn't that just a uh, uh, an FJ or let's see here, Forerunner Land Cruiser? Uh, no, the the four Land Cruiser. The Forerunner. Yeah, the old FJ Cruisers looks like a Jeep, but the old Forerunners had two doors, only the driver passenger door. And I think it was pre-89, you could take the top off. So from the driver passenger back, the top came off. Uh, it was like a hard top. So that was its, comp- it was its competitor. The, the, okay, so it, it's the uh, the successor to the FJ Cruiser for Toyota. And it's the competition Maybe. to the Jeep Wrangler and what the Ford Bronco at the time. Yeah, like the Broncos and Blazers, they all had the tops that came off, and I don't know why, yeah. what year it was. It was like in the mid '90s they decided to stop making. Like, hey, nobody actually takes these off. Let's let's just not make them topless anymore. I don't fucking. I know, think but, those uh, new Ford Broncos are kind of cool. What I want to do is get a, a all white one. You know, I want to get a new Ford Bronco all white and everything in honor of OJ, the OJ edition. Do the, do the tops come off them? Yes, yes, they do. Because like I've seen style. a couple around town, but it doesn't look like the tops come off unless there's a Bronco, also a new Bronco that. Also there's is just a like an Bronco Sport. There's a Bronco Sport, and that one uh, I think is more like a T-top situation as far as taking off roofs. 
It doesn't take a mo- it doesn't take the entire roof off. But the regular Broncos, the full blown real Broncos, not the sports, they have two door and four door and different types or whatever. But the regular, they all the tops come off. You take them off. They're all that polymer black matte thing going on. So, but There's here, once you take them off, the seal's you broken. Get... You can never get the perfect seal again once you take them off. Which I kind of call BS on that. And even if you can't, who cares, dude, if it's a secondary car or, or whatever. Like, plenty of people have hard top Jeeps that I know that have taken the tops off, and it's fine. But there's your but, that, that could be your next option, too, is you get that for a cigar-smoking truck. You got a Jeep that the top comes off, or a Bronco. Well, no. <laughs> again, if I were to get a brand, let's say I bought a brand-new OJ edition, uh, OJ Simpson edition Ford Bronco, all white, sexy, like I'd like. And I'm taking my I'm I'm running for the Mexican US Mexican border and the cops are after me and all that stuff. I'm smoking a cigar in there, top top on, top off. It's still gonna permeate in, in the leather seats or whatever the, the, the you know fabric or whatever I have at the upholstery, you know, it's gonna smell. Like my truck smells like a cigar inside, even though I smoke with the window up and down. Yeah. And that's because, uh, according to my cigar guy, who used to smoke a lot of cigars inside his car, and he said the secret was never let the ash, always tip your ash outside. But I'm smoking and I'm doing, I'm I'm shifting my my stick, you know, and I'm driving around and I'm doing these turns and sometimes the ash just falls right in, in my truck, you know. I can't help it all every time. And uh, so I mean, maybe that's why it smells. Do you want to live your life, Greg, or do you want to live your life? Because Arnold smokes in Ferraris and shit, and you don't see it stopping. Oh him. my gosh! You think he's worried that's about the resale rich. value? Yeah, exactly. You think he's worried he's about, about, worried about the resale, resale value? Worried <laughs> <laughs> about the resale value? Does Arnold really drive Ferraris? What is his? I thought he drove Humvees. I don't know. I've seen that's pictures of him smoking a cigar to open top, like a Ferrari or something like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, good for him. I want him to drive Ferraris. Um, although I imagine he'd be driving Porsches because he's, you know, Austrian, but uh, German, Germanic. You know, but uh, okay, Ferrari. That's cool. I love Ferraris. I like to. I'd like to have a Ferrari. You know. My point is, Greg. If you got some fuck you money, then say fuck you once in a while and buy a new FJ and smoke or a new uh, Bronco and smoke in the fucker. It's not like you smoke every day in it. <laughs> Uh, I guess that's true. I mean, I'm smoking in my yes. truck. I don't fucking know what I'm gonna do with it. I could be like, oh, I'll never smoke in it, and then somebody comes and sideswipes it and totals it. Like, what good did that do me? <laughs> true. That truck, yeah. You, so you're not worried about its resale at all? Because that's, really, that's I what like I would do. It. I would do it. In a, I would do it. In a, I would do it in a. In a it doesn't need to be a truck, but I do it in a car that I do not plan on selling. That I'm gonna have until forever or or uh, uh crashing the only the only way i would do that in a car that i plan on reselling one day is if i was fucky rich like all sorts of i don't give a fuck if i smoke up this this fucking ferrari's interior I give a fuck all right so it mm. sells under like i would if if i was in the market to buy a ferrari me personally of course and i learned that i could buy arnold's ferrari for at a severe discount because he smoked in it and it's and it's permeated all the upholstery. Fuck yeah, I'm going with that option. If I could save fifty grand or something like that, I don't know how much you'd save, but 
How much do you think uh, a Ferrari price tag, a used Ferrari price tag, would go down because it smelled like cigars inside? I don't know. That's a conversation I've never really thought about. And also, it's a like in the picture. I'm just I'm going off the picture. I don't know Ferraris, but he's pretty sure it was a Ferrari and it was a convertible. And he, you know, he's pulling up smoking in it. So. You've got the top down, so a lot of the smoke is, you know, is still permeating the seats, but it's blowing right out of the car if you're cruising along. So how much smoke mm-hmm. is really getting in there? And then for a guy like him, he's got – he hasn't cleaned the thing himself. He's probably got a personal car detailer that comes by and details all his cars out. So that thing is getting armor all down anyway. So how much is the smoke really affecting the car to begin with? Yeah, you know, how much fair. Is, maybe, if you want maybe to sell not it, at all. I, I, don't, I don't know. But for the, the point sake of is, argument, he doesn't give a fuck. Was... The point is, he doesn't give a fuck. And yes, I, I smoke know you around the house. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I smoke around the house. I smoke in the house. Not like you, who has to go outside to smoke. Whatever he said, that was a funny video. He starts, la- he starts genuinely laughing. He starts genuinely laughing. I'm not a laughing. pussy like you. Not <laughs> <laughs> like you, who has to go outside to smoke. That is so funny. Yeah, um, but no, for the sake of argument, let's say, let's say uh, it does smell like smoke in Arnold's Ferrari, and he wants to sell it. He just wants to sell it. It's time to sell it. Uh, market value for that Ferrari, let's say, is one hundred nineteen thousand used. How much is it going to be off because of the smoke? Or does it increase in value because you know Arnold owned it before? You yeah. Know? You probably get some Arnold fan who was like, "Yeah, I'll take it." So that's a bad example. So let's just say I owned a Ferrari. I bought it brand new, okay, for 230k. All right, and I'm going to resell it for 160, something like that. Let's say a couple of years later, a few years later. But I smoked the fuck out of it. I smoked it out, hot boxed it. All right, I didn't detail it inside with the pro, you know, armor all or whatever you're fucking talking about. It just smells like cigars in there. Am I going to get the market resale value for that fucking Ferrari at 160? Probably not. Probably not. Exactly. I have to go below. How much below you think? I probably have to go. I think I'd probably get buyers at 130, starting at 130. I think. I think somebody might. I don't know. That's a lot of money to spend on a car, and if you really hate cigar smoke. It's like, why would I do that? You know? Yeah. So it comes to it. I think, to you're down my, to a point. I think you're missing my point, though. <laughs> I think you're missing yeah, my point, though. And the way I see your lifestyle is, is fuck it. I bought this Bronco or whatever. Like, maybe not your business car because that's a specific point. It's to take clients around. It's to look nice. It's to be clean inside, take girls out, whatever. Yeah, you probably don't want to smell them like fucking cigars like some old man's leather jacket. But – you got a fucking Bronco and that's your cruising on the weekend, smoking cigars or whatever the fuck you wearing the wearing your whatever the doing whatever the fuck I want badge, then why do you care? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're gonna well, keep it like your red truck, truck, and 20 years that's down it. the road you're still gonna be driving that thing. Well, that's the thing is that, that's how it is with my that red truck. That's why it's one reason I love it because it is like yeah, good fuck. I'm not reselling this thing. That's the thing. I, I consider the resale value because I don't want to lose money on things like that. Because I don't. I am. I don't know if you've heard, Johnny. I'm not yet. Fuck you. Fuck you, Rich. I'm not quite there yet. You know. <laughs> I don't know I don't if you've you heard. Money yet. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not quite there yet. And so 
Uh, I still care about. Neither do I. So you know, maybe I shouldn't be smoking in my truck like a fucking idiot, but whatever. Well, it depends. Are you planning on reselling that truck eventually? And if you do, yeah, do you think probably. you can you can get the smell out? Like you're saying with the armor roll, would that actually work? Because if that would work, then I mean, fuck. I've, I've maybe ahead. smoked three or four cigars in this thing, so it usually isn't enough that I think it's going to be like. Yeah, three that four be enough. cigars. That's like that's like one one a year I smoke in my truck, if that. And no, I don't I don't think it's gonna stink like cigars, but it could. I don't know. You probably excuse me, it probably won't. Yeah, did you smoke in your Cadillac back when you owned it, fancy fuck? Uh, I mean that thing was used, so it's not like I was buying. That wasn't a fucking thirty forty thousand dollar car. I paid like. 12 grand for it or whatever, but no, I didn't smoke mm-hmm. in that. But. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, you didn't smoke in the fancy Cadillac. Couldn't bring yourself to do it. Yeah, well, of course you did. It's like I smoked in my truck. Oh, that forerunner was beat the fuck up. It did his job. I loved it. I thought it was a great, great rig, but uh, it wasn't winning any beauty contests. Nor was my truck. Said the paint paint job is all fucked up and uh, peeling away and shit. Oh, hasn't had a wash in 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 a decade. I've owned that truck for a decade. Think about that. Isn't that that's over a decade? Summer of 2010. That's cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I th- I think that's another good reason to to just keep it. But it, but again, you you do have to look at that stuff with you know how, what what is it worth to you. And how much is it going to cost to fix? Because yeah, eventually I think some some cars, and I'm not a car guy, are just not not worth putting the money into unless you're just like, I love this thing. There's no price I won't pay to keep it running. And then what? Are you going to repaint it? Are you going to start, you know, detailing it out so it's a nice little comfy cigar smoking rig on the weekends? I thought of that. Keep running it. Yeah. Well, I thought about getting a paint job on it, you know, just so it, my mother would be less embarrassed about the fact that I drive around town in it. But um, it embarrasses your mom that you drive that thing? She doesn't like me driving around uh, town often in that truck. Now, I mean, I think she's fine with it now. She's over it. But, uh, yeah, initially, she's really bothered. She's the one who, who huh. basically pressured me into buying the Beamer. Like, you can't be seen in that car, in that truck. I'm like, okay. For, for- for your area yeah. and your job, I ki- I kind of see your mom's point, but it's also oh, yeah, I, yeah. again for me, I'm 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 not a wealthy person going to look for real estate in Monterey, but I think like I would respect that. I'm I'd I'd one be like fuck, this is this guy's truck, but I'd also like if I kind of knew you or knew you're still good at your job, I'd be like fuck, I respect that dude. He drives around this old truck and said he doesn't like cruising around in a a BMW. He likes this old truck. I'd respect that. Or it could be your oh, like, yeah. doing shit on the weekend. Well, see, I I think. I think because I have a Beamer, I can drive around, and it's not like oh, I, I this is all I'm this is all I'm I am I'm all all I can do is is this truck that's beat up and I can't I can't manage to get it a paint job. It's old. It's it's barely running and and all like that's not who I am. I I elect and choose to do it because I genuinely like the truck and I get to smoke a cigar and, and cruise around right all the while right. knowing I have a Beamer at my house you know, waiting for me that I drive all the time. And so I I wouldn't feel embarrassed by that truck with a client 
if the client knew that I drew, drove a Beamer first. And then they saw, like, yeah, this is my truck. This is my don't-give-a-fuck truck where I throw all the shit you need me to get out of this house that I bring to the dump with. And, oh, yeah, I like to, I like to cruise in it because it's really enjoyable with the windows rolled down, take it nice and slow and easy and, and smoke a cigar in this baby. You know, can't do it in my Beamer. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Guilt-free. No consequences. Guilt-free. Smoking in, in, in hot boxes. Awesome. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I want an old truck like that. But, oh, that's what I was getting to is I was looking at some uh, – I was looking at some older Forerunners because I like those old 80s models where the tops come off. And they, they've, they've been getting more rare to find just because guys take them and they – you know, they start cutting them apart and throwing full-width axles in them and turn them into rock crawlers and all this stuff or, or whatever. People would just drive them until they'd run into the ground. But uh, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, was looking at, I was looking in Sacramento because I couldn't find any around here, and people have lost their minds, dude. They were so, like I said, I paid four or five grand for my old 90 models, forerunners. People were asking for the same kind of year forerunners with, like, close to 200,000 miles on them or 200,000 miles. They were asking like nine grand. One I saw was a 01 with like 160 or 190,000 miles. The person wanted 18,000 for it. So they must have great resale value, man. Is Not 18,000 for 2001? I don't know about 2001. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. All I, I was saying I just was yeah, the buy resale that. value yeah. on even resale value on old cars is going crazy too, like like everything else. So even trying to find your your if I wanted to go buy your red truck right now, I'd think, you know, what was at one point you were looking at selling it and you're like, ah, oh, it's not even worth selling. It's it's I'd get just as much taken into a junkyard or whatever and getting a thousand bucks for it or eight hundred bucks. Now your I, old I, truck Kelly's blue book value your, like your old truck I wouldn't be Yeah your old truck maybe that thing maybe that thing's like three grand now just because everybody's paying out the ass for everything. Interesting. Actually, the last time I I parked it, you know, last time I drove, I, I was walking back, and one of the Mexican workers on the on the sidewalk outside uh, who was digging, help digging it. He noticed, he's like, "How's oh, your truck?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's my it's my truck." He goes, "Oh, how much?" And I and I laughed. I was like, uh, "What's your offer, man?" He's like, I, "I don't want to sell it. I like that truck. You know, you gotta." You got a sentimental value and all that. I said I enjoy it. I smoke my my cigars out of it and all that stuff. But yeah, it runs. It does this, and I guess it doesn't run anymore. So I'm glad I didn't sell it to him. That would have been bad. But like, yeah, make me an offer. You want to know? I've been propositioned for that truck back before the paint was peeling. I, I've gotten two or three offers to buy that truck from people just driving by my house, looking at it in the driveway put a little note on my windshield or one person even knocked on the door asking if I'd be willing to sell it. And I said, nope. Get out of here, you dirty, filthy fuck. And, uh... Got my property! Stop drooling over my truck! But, uh... Yeah, it was a cool truck back when it was cool, you know. Now it's kind of tired and, like, Matthew McConaughey and uh, uh, it was Matthew McConaughey and in, in, uh, Days and Confused when I first bought it, and now it's like Matthew McConaughey and Dallas Buyers Club. Really going downhill. Still trying to look cool, but just isn't anymore. 
tired and yeah. beaten up, tore up, oversmoked. Yeah. I don't know. I guess you'll have to decide what it's what it needs and uh, what it's worth to you. How many miles do you have on it? 130, something like that. It's 1997. Yeah, it's getting. I bought it. it had 92,000 on it. So, 91, 92,000 when I bought it. So I've racked up about 40 over 10 years, over a decade, 40,000. I don't drive that much anyway, but. Uh, I always let other people drive. Did you, yeah, uh, did you lease? Did you lease your new car? Or did you buy it? No, I bought it. Financed, of course, but I bought it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, certified, pre-owned from the dealer, BMW uh, dealer. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, 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 yep. yep. So. Uh, what were we talking about before we got down my truck? On my truck, what were we talking about before? Uh, oh, we were, I was going to say something. Like, what? Are, we were talking about pimping, or, or you were asking me about the, the oh, pimp. Oh, yeah. Can you pimp girls without being mean to them, <laughs> essentially? And uh, the answer is, if you have a legal brothel, Yes, you can. You can pimp girls without being mean to them. Yep. And but you have to be in a situation where that legal brothel is scarce, I think. So, what the Bunny Ranch has that other brothels don't is it's legal, so you can just do it. Everything's above board. Everything's watched. So, the girls are safe. Girls who choose to, to prostitute themselves in that establishment know that they're, they'll be protected and safe. Um, you know, there's all sorts of hoops. You know, the Johns, I don't know. They have to test or anything like that. But, you know, they're in good hands. It's legal. They're not going to get arrested. Their, their Johns aren't going to get arrested. There's, no, there's none of that drama. They don't have to worry about getting cut up either by a John. The lock on the hall. Murdered. Being a street prostitute is extremely dangerous, and there is a big difference between being a street prostitute and a high class, a high class hooker, like the one I was talking about. Not necessarily Sharon Stone, Sharon Stone's character. Um, she is like, if she was, she would have been a street hooker, Sharon Stone's character if she wasn't as pretty as she was. That makes any sense. Like she would have ended up as a street hooker anyway if she wasn't as pretty as she oh. was. But because she was so pretty, she didn't have to work on the streets. She could go into a casino and work some fucking senator. Right? Right. So, uh, but her initial um, entrance into that life, into the life, as they say, was through a conventional street hooker way, I'd say, by means of, of, of her pimp, Lester. I mean, Lester, none of this is explained, but I'm assuming Lester, because this is what makes sense, Lester's like her first love, her first serious love, and that means he met her really young. Country club, whatever he said, 
country club, blah, 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 blah. I don't know where he'd met her, but he'd met her somewhere really young and he was able to turn her out real quick. And he turned her out and he was turning her out uh, on higher class John, essentially, because she could do it. So is John just slang for the person looking for a prostitute? Yeah, John's a, a customer. The, or a trick. You call him a John or a trick. I don't... And a trick's, a trick's both a noun and a verb. Huh? I don't appreciate my name being associated with prostitution. That's what they call him. They, say, they call him Johns. You know? It is what it is. And you're the you're the biggest whoremonger that I know out of all my people. So I think it's all my friends. <laughs> so it's, I think it's appropriate. I think it's appropriate. Most Johns actually are named John. This is what happens. Have you ever uh, used a pro- have you ever prostituted a woman? You ever slept with a prostitute? I have not. I have not, yeah, to be clear. I think I knew that. I think I have. I think I knew that. Technically, I've slept with, I think, two prostitutes, but they were freebies. I didn't pay for it. I didn't prostitute them. And uh, um, that was interesting. Huh. How, do you, how do you find yourself in that? Scenario. You go out into the night in debaucherous manners like I do, in a debaucherous manner like I do, you get mixed up with certain types of people. I like pretty girls, and pretty girls end up being prostitutes sometimes, or, you know, sometimes it's associated with a job. And, uh, um, they kind of get foisted on you. One was I got foisted on by her pimp, and uh, I was so drunk I didn't realize what was going on. And the next day I realized, oh, she was a prostitute, but I out-pimped her, out-pimped her pimp, out-romanced her. And she took she refuge in my hotel room from her pimp. And I gave her a couple days, and I told her pimp that she had gone out of town and ran, and and left. I don't know where she is. And she planned to move to another city. So is this a real story, or are you, are you like throwing a movie quote into here? I'm serious. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. Yep. She showed me a scar that she had recently acquired right next to her eye. You hit her. She was at her wit's end with this guy. But uh, I met him earlier. I met him that night. I met him first. And he knew I was out in the prowl. And uh, and he's like, uh, and he fetched her. He fetched her for me. Happened to run into him. <clears throat> yep, 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 yep. He seemed like a cool her. guy. Huh? What? He fetched her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I was dressed nice. Thought there was some money in it. You know, you gotta. I always gotta be leery. I was, I was leery. Like, is she gonna roll me? You know, kind of a thing when I brought her in. Make sure you didn't have any like money anywhere. And uh, she admitted to like searching my my hotel room. Hey, you got you ain't got any money. I'm like, yeah, I do. I got some money. I'm just gonna find it. Like, oh, you know. But. She searched your hotel room? It sounds like a sketch situation, Greg. It was very sketchy. It was very sketchy. That's why you don't want to get hooked up with people like this. 
getting with the prostitute is very risky as a John. And I wasn't a John technically because I never paid her. And um, when we had sex, it was not for money. But uh, uh, yeah, earlier on in that, it got really sketchy. It's really stressful. <clears throat> because if it went bad, she could have told her pimp where I was, what room, what hotel. And he and a couple of homeboys could have come in there and, you know, grabbed me, done whatever they wanted, which I know some people that's happened, right? It's literally happened to them. Fuck them up and take all their shit and leave. They don't get any pussy. So, um, it just kind of came a point where I just, you know, first of all, I got her to like, genuinely like me, genuinely like me. And, um, you know, I made her believe I cared for her, which I did more than her pimp. I'd say in so many ways, I didn't want her to get hit or beat up anymore. Um, but I, I also realized I can't just kick this girl out and just be like done with her. Like get the fuck out because shit, she could like make her disgruntled. She can stick her, her pimp and her pimp can get some homeboys and fuck me up. So I had to just trust her and, uh, help her out. And I did, and it worked out and, Thank goodness it did, you know, and hopefully she's better when I helped her out getting out of that situation, that life. Wow. Yep. 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 The other time was just the, uh, the hooker I met out in the streets, street hooker, if you go, if you will, in Columbia and um, just talking to her. It was after the night, all the Johns had gone home and she was hanging around me and I didn't have any money. She knew I didn't have any money. And uh, she stopped trying to beg for money and eventually said, you want to just have sex anyway? And I'm like, in Spanish. And I'm like, why? Because you're handsome. I'm like, ¿Por qué, tú, ¿por qué tú eres guapo? I'm like, okay. All right, for real. It's like, where? ¿Dónde? She's like, ah, she, she like, knew a place. And I screwed her in like this, uh, with a condom, of course, Johnny, uh, in this um, alleyway kind of a thing. In a stair, stairway, alleyway thing. Like, st- cars were driving by. It was late at night. It was, but it was in the middle of the city. And uh, yeah, it was in between these little. You know what it was? It was a. It was like a access stairway, access to like a, a lower level or basement to a building. Kind of a thing. We were at the bottom of the stairs, off the sidewalk. Yeah, I fucked. I've pretty much fucked everywhere you can can imagine, in all sorts of eccentric places. I've had sex over the over the graves of three pirates, and on an island off the coast of uh, Panama, Panama City, the Volga, called Tres Cruces. You hike up to this little jungle to the top of the mountain, and there's these three cross crosses from uh, where these three pirates were buried back in like the 18th century or some shit. And in their honor, I fucked this girl for their pleasure, and. Uh, Right there in over their graves. Admirable huh? of you, man. I, yeah, pretty admirable. I thought of the you. pirates cool would have. I think. Huh? What? I was gonna say I can't say I have any stories like that. So yeah, good for you, man. Oh yeah, yeah. I got more. I've got more, dude. That's just a little taste. Yeah, I've done that, and um, I've had sex in the Portola Hotel lobby elevator in downtown Monterey. 
um, I've done the here for eternity style where you had sex on a beach with the waves crashing in on you. Um, what else have I done? I've just kind of done it everywhere. Cars. I've done a lot of car sex, obviously. That's classic. You've done car sex, right, Johnny? Where'd you lose your virginity, by the way? I know, I know to whom, I know to whom you've lost your virginity, but where, where, how'd, how'd that go down? I know you popped your high uh, and you got the blood all over your dick. Why'd you do that it? That was just in, the bed. just in the bed. In, the bed. in your bed? In your bed or her bed? Or his bed, rather. In her bed. I forgot it was a, it was a guy. Shut uh, up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my virginity to a man. If, if you, I guess, yeah, if you got fucked in the ass by a man, you're no longer a virgin as a man. Right? Like, you never got your dick wet by anything. But you got you you took a dick in your ass. You can no longer call yourself a virgin, right? I guess not. I'm really wondering how this conversation got to this point. I just think it's an interesting question, you know, because it's like <clears throat> I don't know. I, I I just think my virginity. It took so long for me to get to lose it. That, you know, and for every young man, it's a big deal losing, losing their virginity, right? But imagine if you were a young man who was raped by an uncle or somebody or your karate instructor, uh, which reminds me of the Jody Pluchet story. I got to, I got to tell another time. Um, but let's say you were raped as a 12 year old boy in the ass. You never got your dick right. anything, right? Do you get to, when you look to go lose your virginity to a girl, you can't, really can't say that, though. Like, I, I'm not a virgin, though. I've already, I've already lost my virginity, essentially. I mean, what is that kid? How does that kid label himself? I mean, technically, he's never had sex with a woman, so he could just say, I'm a virgin. But he isn't, is my point. He isn't. Technically, I'm talking about conversation. One toke over the line. (laughs) Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I don't mean to make light of it. I think that's an awful situation. Obviously, Uh, I'm not trying to make. I just think it's an interesting question. What makes a virgin a virgin? When you're a boy. When you're a man. Probably getting your dick wet. Is it getting your dick wet? Yeah. Yes. Cons- having consensual sex with a female. <laughs> what if you get raped by your aunt? Right? Or a teacher, a teacher lady, a hot teacher lady. No, please, no. And she's riding your penis, sucks it, rides it, you jizz inside, right? You're no longer a virgin, whether you want to believe it or not. It wasn't consensual, though, so I'm still a virgin. No. you Just like when you pop a girl's cherry, you take their hymen, you know, a girl who gets raped is no longer a virgin. Used to trade women in the old days, and the value, the most valuable were, were virgins. If they were raped, they weren't virgins anymore, and they were less valuable. That's why you had to protect them. You're full of shit, man. You're full of shit. You can't be 
like, okay, receiving a blowjob. Have you lost your virginity? No. No, you haven't, right? We call it sex till you're still having intercourse. It's oral sex. Okay, but we don't really, that's not, you're still a virgin. You still haven't done it. And then you got those girls who believe in anal sex. You know, they believe in, they don't believe in sex before marriage or, you know, so they keep their cootie for after marriage, but they allow their, their assholes to be barreled, barreled in by two dudes. And at the same time, and that's a, okay. Are you really still a virgin? If you've been fucking rammed up your asshole just because your vagina's been untouched, you really get to call yourself a virgin. You're getting some pretty heavy semantics, which, yeah, I guess you bring up a good point. I I wouldn't consider it because, yeah, you're like, how are you you saying that you're not a virgin because you kept your vagina fresh and fresh for the, for your husband to be, but you've yeah been railed out by a bunch of dudes everywhere else. Hmm. Yeah. And I would have to say, I, I would appreciate, like if I had a girlfriend and she's like, no, I'm keeping my vagina till marriage. I would respect that. And I would just fuck her in her ass if that's what we needed to do for our relationship and no vagina. Um, I could totally do that. Fine. And, uh, and I would say, you know what? You're actually giving a man, maybe me even, probably not me, but some man, one lucky man one day, something to fight and work for and a reason to really marry you. Right? Right. Just to get that vagina. Because it is. It's better than the, than the ass, the asshole. I do like to mix it up, sure, right? But uh, um, if I had to choose one or the other, come on, not even close. Am I right or am I right? Or am I right? Uh, yeah, I'd say you're right. I'd say you're right. Yeah. But you do get those girls who are like Farrah Fawcett allegedly only took it up the ass. She had a preference to anal sex. She wanted her husband to ram her up her ass rather than her pussy most times. Where did that come from? Where did you hear that? I don't even know if it's true. Of course not. I don't know if it's true. So I just heard that once. In fact, are we allowed to spread rumors like that as a podcast in the public? I guess if it's about a public figure, you can, like Vera Fawcett. Right? And as long as you disclose that you don't know, this is completely unsubstantiated, but I'm going to say anyway. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, she died of uh, rectal cancer or some shit. Not colon cancer, rectal cancer. Okay. And allegedly that happens to people who get rammed up the ass a whole lot. I don't that know why, but I'm intrigued true. now. Where where you where you heard this? And it might not be true. It might not be true. Oh, I was just saying there are women out there who prefer anal sex over vaginal sex. I think they're extremely fucking rare, but they I think they exist. Kind of like how a guy 
if you're in a homosexual marriage uh, relationship as a man, there's a guy who tends to like to be the bottom. Like I prefer being the bottom. I want to be the one taking it up the ass more times than not. But, Oh, you enjoy that. So I think there are women who also enjoy it the same way is the point. I need a rare, but apparently, and I don't know. I don't know. It's an an androgynous zone, John. That's a sick question. I ain't sick enough to answer it. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, but I don't know. I I guess it's so ambiguous what it means to be a virgin anymore. But, I mean, classically, it's penis inside a vagina. Once that equation hits, in both individuals or either individual is no longer a virgin, right? It's not a virgin anymore, or if it was, if they were before. And everything else didn't count. But then you talk about the asshole, and it's like, well, a dick is going inside an orifice. That is not the mouth, though. The mouth is a dick going inside the orifice, too. A blowjob, that is. But we don't count that. We don't count that as losing your virginity. So, as a homosexual man who's never had sex with a woman, that man a virgin because he's only taken dong up the ass all his life? Come on, right? Who knows? Can't can't say that. So, where do you where do you uh, draw the line, Johnny? For being a virgin? Yes. I would say, for the sake of conversation, you lose your virginity. It's when it comes to man and woman, uh, penis and vagina sex, or if you're, you know, a gay couple. I'd say for the sake of conversation it's penis and vagina sex. That's when you lose your virginity. But if you want to elaborate in that homosexual relationships, which I don't know, I can't say I know a lot about, especially when it comes to like women on women and guy on guy, because I don't know all the, what everybody's doing now with that category. Hey, but, hey, uh, hey it's just I, asshole is, is the same whether it's on a man or a woman. It's the same hole. And you like the asshole. You love that hole. You love it, okay? Well, I'm saying like when so, a chick when a chick is with another chick, like how do you really say I lost my virginity if they're just like what are they even doing? They're they're scissoring each other, or, you know? If you oh yeah right, like if you put a dildo up your vagina and it breaks your hymen, hymen, sorry, are you still a virgin? <laughs> right? Yes, not. I guess not. I don't know. I think you are right, but you're. Also, I don't know. It's like also like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You aren't, you are a virgin because you actually haven't taken a real penis, but you, you do not have a virginal vagina anymore because you've, you've railed it out with a bunch of dildos from your childhood or your, your adolescence, right? Very interesting. It is extremely ambiguous. Who's a virgin? Who isn't? I guess it's just supposed to mean who's pure, sexually pure, right? 
I guess, strictly speaking, right. that's what virgin must mean, sexually pure. So if that's the case, if you've even given, if, you're, if your fist has been penetrated as a woman, are you still a virgin? Right? That's not sexually pure. That's sexually indecent, isn't it? You dirty little slut. You gave that boy a handy. You let him fuck your fist. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, but uh, there's a little pecker. There's a little skinny pecker. Um, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. That is interesting. Yeah. That's just uh, food for thought, you know. Some good old-fashioned chicken soup for the soul, man. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, well, I think, really, I think what we're saying it's time for you to hit the road. <laughs> time to call it a day on I that think, I think so. Yeah, we'll leave it, we'll leave it at that. Um, I did thoroughly enjoy uh, the conversation, I think. It was good. Anyway, um, till next time, brother. Sign us All off right, properly. Take it easy. Sign us off properly, Johnny. Enjoy your claims, cocksuckers. You heard him right. Bye-bye. <laughs>